Welcome back to the Talking Thomas podcast, your podcast for all things uh, Thomas and Friends, Shining Time Station, the Railway Series, and so much more. Uh, I'm Tony. And I'm Orion. And we're here doing another Railway Series book discussion. And this time it is for the uh, fifth Railway Series book, Troublesome Engines. And uh, this book kind of is all changed for the railway series, or at least it's the beginning of a change. As we sort of mentioned in our previous railway series book review, uh, which was Tank Engine Thomas again, you know, that book was kind of the last hurrah for the innocent uh, slice of life stories. And the stories from here on out become bigger. Uh, They have a grander scale uh, for, you know, what they're about. Uh, They also have a bigger through line. uh, Each story does. But they also change to reflect the current times in real life as well. You know, uh, the first four books were written, you know, very early on in the post-war era, uh, the, after the end of World War II. In fact, the first book was written at the end of World War II. And so, you know, it, it's very fitting that they were cute stories because, you know, that's what was needed at the time. But then in 1950, when this book comes out, they suddenly change uh, because life, both in Britain and in the railways, are changing, uh, you know, Uh, and Troublesome Engines, as we'll see when we dive into the stories, was in fact written as as, as a reflection of a big change in British railways, and that would be the, that there was a lot of civil unrest and a lot of striking going on on British railways throughout the early 1950s. Right. Absolutely. I mean, this is a, um, you know, we, we talked a lot in, if you've listened to our previous discussion on Tank Engine Thomas again, about how this book really is the, the turning point of the series. And there are a few of those throughout. It's not that, you know, as if uh, this, all of a sudden, this is how the rest of the railway series is, right. you know, until until the end of uh, Wilbert's run. It does change a couple other times too, really. But right. but this is the first kind of um, evolution of the railway series into something bigger and better um, and, and different than what had come before. Right, and it all starts out with an elephant, uh, and in fact, that. Uh, our first story is, of course, Henry and the Elephant, which uh, I, I've i never, maybe this is because we both grew up in America and, you know, having not grown up with the Railway Series until I was nearly nine or ten, uh, you know, I never really connected this story with the other three in the book. But I, again, that's probably just because I grew up in America and I've and I'd only ever watched the TV series until I was almost nine or 10. And so, you know, of course the TV series adaptation of this, of, of this story was season four, whereas the rest of it was season one. And so, you know, it, it's, it's always been a little hard for me to connect these two stories, even though in the railway series, they are very clearly connected. And I think they do a, uh, of course the books came first. And so I, I think it is interesting how this story sort of, it it starts off with the even from the very beginning. It starts off with the dissatisfaction of the three big engines, Henry Gordon and James, where you know um, they. I, I don't know if this is supposed to run concurrently with Tank Engine Thomas again, or if it's supposed to take place sometime afterwards. 
But, you know, they're very clearly dissatisfied with the fact that their shunting engine has gone. Um, and so that just leads, you know, the incident with the elephant in this story just sort of adds fuel to the fire, if you'll pardon my uh, pun there. Right. And I, I, uh, honestly, I would say that really James the Red Engine, Tank Engine Thomas again, and Troublesome Engines, at least the beginning of it, all kind of run at the same time right i think because you know if they would be upset that thomas had left to run his branch line that would have been at the very end of thomas the tank engine and then james was you know introduced to the line while thomas what right when thomas left to run his branch line and so you you could really see that all of these stories are kind of taking place all around the same time really which is kind of interesting um you know when you think about it that they would all be um you know they would all be happening concurrently um but this is yeah this is a good story and again you know like you said really we have a kind of a, a different relationship with this story than people who would have grown up with the railway series although yeah. most of our listeners didn't wouldn't have grown up with the railway series before the tv series so um in any way but um but it's true you know, this this story really does fuel the fire of their strike um throughout the rest of the book and that's that's lost in the the tv series adaptation but right from the get-go i love the first illustration of the book yep. um of of us looking out from tidmouth kind of an interesting angle there um and uh but yeah that's a, a great angle it kind of shows the scale of what we're working with here in the railway series um and at, at tidmouth at that time um but again, what, it's interesting that on the surface, this seems like kind of a more outlandish storybook story, mm -hmm. um, more akin to Thomas Goes Fishing or something like that. Right. But it's really not. Um, no. you know, the, the title is deceiving, um, but really it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's troublesome. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's definitely all of these stories are, you know, something really goes wrong in yes. all of these stories. Um, and that that tone is set right from the foreword of the book. It is um, in, you know, in which the, the first line of the, the foreword just says news from the line has not been good. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, we're no longer in the idyllic world of branch lines and, you know, summer afternoons on the main line and, and everything like that. Whereas there were problems in each of those stories, but at the end, everything is resolved. Right. Whereas with these stories, it's not, um, it, it, they, it builds and builds and builds to a conclusion, but each story is kind of, um, more fuel, uh, to the fire of, of the trouble that's happening on the line. I agree completely. And, you know, um, now we say that this story does seem outlandish, and of course it, it isn't, as as we as you said, uh, because it's based on, as most of these stories are, a true story. In uh, it, but instead of being a circus elephant, it was a wild elephant, and it occurred in India. There was actually an incident in India. I'm sure there's been more than one, but you know it's based on a specific incident in India where a wild elephant. Uh, just basically crept into a tunnel one day and a train had to end up pushing it out. Right. So, huh. which I, which I find interesting. Uh, now the other thing to note here is that not only is it a change in tone for the books, it's also a change uh, or a change back rather for Henry in that uh, because, uh, <laughs> because of, illustrator error on so many occasions and just you know 
a mass amount of fan letters asking why Henry and Gordon looked almost identical. Uh, the Reverend finally decided that he'd had enough and put Henry back in his green coat of paint. Right. And I think that's honestly a better choice. I like, I, I think it helped you know, really help the books to stand out yes. you know, from a color standpoint. Yes. Um, even if it, even if it might not be the most realistic for a, you know, a, a railway, you know, might have a more uniform livery. Um, of the blue which is what he was going for right um but but i think it's fine and and lends the books again a really added um pop of color that each character has their own specific oh, uh, I... color other, other than edward thomas and gordon all being the same color i, I think so too you know and just because our our main characters in this story are uh henry james and gordon you know, and they're each they're each their own color, which I think is great. You know, we have red, blue, green, which, uh, you know, are three major colors. So I, I think it works perfectly that each one has their own color scheme. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is not my favorite story of the book. I, I would on I would actually probably say it's my least favorite story of the book. Mm. Um, but um, but it's certainly it's it's a nice little story. But I, I don't I don't necessarily care for it as much as i do of the other stories um there's something about it that i guess i just don't don't uh don't don't care for um right but uh but yeah it's a nice little entertaining story um it is but that uh lets us move on to the next story yes. tenders and turntables um and this is probably tenders and turntables is probably the best uh title Yes. so far of any of the railway series stories because all of the other railway series uh, stories so far have just had rather mundane titles really um you know right you know blank engine and the blank uh you know basically um you know henry and the elephant james and the top hat thomas and the trucks it, it uh, is the first know, it is the first story not to have an engine's name in the title right um so you know very well, interesting no, I'm sorry. um and was the first one i'm sorry uh, but it's the first one of note because Troublesome Trucks was not great. But anyways, I'm sorry. Go on. Right. Yeah. And, and actually, I think when we talked about Troublesome Trucks in our discussion of James the Red Engine, we talked about that, how that was also a good title. Right. So, um, you know, again, nice that he's branching out. Yes. Uh, again, uh, to, to try something different. And Tenders and Turntables uh, just has a certain ring to it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and honestly, that would have been a good title for the, for the book, too. It would um, have. But but troublesome engines works just as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a, a nice story, um, and this again establishes that there are two big stations. Um, yep. Uh, Vickerstown and Tidmouth. Um, now, of course, that they're not named that in the railway series, but um, but they are. It is nice. Um, and again, we start out with an operational description, um, as we do with some of the other ones, explaining how James is a mixed traffic engine, explaining how Annie and Clarabelle work in the beginning of Tank Engine Thomas again in the story Thomas and the Guard. In this one, um, it explains that the, how the turntables are set up, why they're there, um, that it's dangerous for tender engines to go fast backwards. Right. How tank engines don't need it. Um, but, uh, but again, this is nice. Um, establishing that the main line and Thomas's branch line meet and that, you know, Thomas can still be popping up in these stories. Uh, it's, it's convenient way for him to pop up without us having to have a story centered on his branch line. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's a very nice setup. It, uh, for, you know, and of course it 
leads the the end of the story of course is the strife the first two stories are really you know every all these tensions between the three big engines building up uh and forming a strife um I, I think that this story in particular, it's not necessarily my favorite, but it's one of my favorite uh, stories in general uh, because I love both in the TV series and in the railway series, the illustration of James spinning on the turntable is really, I, I really enjoy it. Right. And something nice about this, you know, it's perhaps in, in one of the earlier books, the whole focus of the story would have been James being on a turntable. Right. But in this one, there's so much in this story. There's, you know, little discussions here, little things here. Gordon having to, uh, you know, uh, you know, go backwards. Right. Um, you know, and and James spinning on the turntable and Gordon being here uh, and on all of that. So it's it, it's Gordon not being able to, to stay on the turntable. So there's there's so much going on in this story that makes it different from all the earlier railway series stories. And again, um, you know, marks the turning point of, of the series that there can be multiple things going on in the same story um, and that the stories can, can handle that. It does. Um, now, this, um, th- this I-, I like the look of the turntable as well. And this, the turntable itself is based on a real-life turntable. It is based on a turntable at Hawes Junction, which is part of the Keithley and Worth Valley Railway. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's it's I think it's kind of cool uh, to see, I, and I'm sure that the Reverend would would have given uh, Dalby instructions on what to base it on. But it is nice to see that a lot of these locations uh, I mentioned a few back when we did uh, Tank Tension Thomas again that a lot of these locations do have a basis in uh, real places as well, you know, or real objects rather. Right. Absolutely. Um... But uh, but yeah, so the end of the story, um, of course, ends that it, it, we don't know what they're going to do. Right. Um, but they it just says that we'll do it tomorrow. Right. And the fat controller will look silly. So it's you know it's it leaves us in suspense mm-hmm. for what will happen in the next story, which is trouble in the shed. Again, another um, uh, another turning point for this book is that you know there are stories here that don't have um the engine's name in the title and that it's right. more a descriptor of general goings on and what's interesting is that that the title change also reflects the story change as we were discussing in that you know it's not just focusing on one particular event there's lots of things going on right so in in this story you know if we think that tenders and turntables had a lot going on this one especially has so much going on because we have you know the beginning with um people the passengers on the platform mm-hmm. being annoying um <laughs> to the fat controller which is funny it that is. he can't work with all that noise what a nuisance <laughs> they are the people who are paying for the railway <laughs> um yes very funny um almost uh almost basil faulty esque oh yeah uh there uh for the fat controller and um you, you, you can really what's... tell in these early stories just how contemptuous of railway officials wilbur was Oh, absolutely. That definitely 100%. Um, and, uh, um, but, you know, we, we start out with that. We, then we move to, um, you know, the big engine's not moving. Then Fat Controller goes to see Edward. Then he buys a new tank engine, yep. um, Percy. And then Thomas comes. And then they run the branch line. Or, I mean, they run the main line. So yep. it's just so, 
amazing um, that there are so many things that happen in this one story. It's um, a past it, story. Uh, and really different than the previous stories that, you know, um, in, in all the, uh, uh, the preceding books. Right. Um, now, of course, this one is, is one of the first. Now, obviously, these stories were written back in 1950. And so, you know, they are, of course, a product of its time. And this is uh, the first five, the first four books, you know, haven't really had much that I would say is really antiquated. But this story in particular does have the first um, use of terminology that's kind of out of date now, you know? So uh, Right, absolutely. Yes. Um, and I'm sure everyone who's listening will know what we're talking about. So, you know. Um, but, I don't know, this story is so packed, and I love it. It's one of my, it's probably my favorite story of the book, to be honest, uh, just because there is so much happening with it i know that in the last couple of in our first few railway series reviews we keep talking about how very little happens but so much happens in this story uh you know because the engines go on strike and then we have uh edward um telling the fat director about how they've been about how the big engines have been mistreating him and then he buys percy and brings uh brings thomas to help out and it's really great to see um, – it's really great to have Thomas back, even though we only just saw him in the previous book. That would have been a whole year ago, of course. It's nice to see him back and on the main line helping uh, Edward and this new engine who would, of course, become a fan favorite. Right, absolutely. Um, and um... – yeah, and he was able to write so many stories for Percy too, which is amazing. Kind of like Thomas, um, right? There's just something about the tank engine that that they can write so many different little stories for um, that just seemed to be harder for him to write about um, bigger engines. Because even the narrow gauge engines, he was able to write um, four whole books. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, five, five, five whole books yes. um, about the you know the narrow gauge engine. So just shocking. Now I, I um, haven't I haven't counted. But I can, I would imagine that there are almost as many, if not more, stories about Percy than there are about Thomas. I would probably say that you are right, at least in the in the railway series. Yes, um, yes, or or at least in Wilbur's railway series. Right. Not because Christopher wrote quite a few Thomas stories. Well, that wasn't always his choice, but yes. True, um, but but he did, you know, obviously write quite a few more, and and actually not he didn't write that many Percy stories. No, he didn't. <laughs> Not at all. I wonder if he wasn't much of a fan of Percy or not, no. but, um, but probably my favorite illustration of this um, story is the opening illustration of uh, the fat controller's office and all of the uh, passengers, you know, waiting outside the door and then peering into the window. Yeah. Um, just a great, uh, um, a great little, uh, a great little illustration there. And we get a little regional map too. Yep. Um, uh, again, not necessarily reflective of, of what the series uh, or, you know, what the locale was, but, uh, but that's a nice little map there. It is. Uh, I, I do like that illustration. My personal favorite illustration though, is the one in the workshop uh, simply because I love the design of all of the other engines. And it's not that any of them have that unique of a design they're all fairly similar you know uh but i just really like the fact that we see so much of the workshop because you know obviously in the tv series which we'd have been more familiar with growing up uh you know 
obviously there wasn't budget to build a whole bunch of models for one scene. And so, you know, they just took the models that they had and covered them with tar pullins. But it's nice to see the other engines in the workshop. And, you know, even though they have nothing to do with anything outside of Percy, it's, it's nice to see, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. The only problem is, is that it says they showed it, uh, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the line is he went to an engine workshop and they showed him all sorts of tank engines. Right. But some of these illustrations are clearly not tank engines because <laughs> there's a, basically a red Gordon yes. and like a green Edward or James. Right. And then we can't see the en- engine beside Percy, but the engine in the middle is definitely a tank engine because it basically looks like Thomas. Right. So, um, that, that's interesting. But, but the other ones aren't, uh, aren't tank engines. Right. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is a nice story. And this is the first time that we see the coaling stage. Is that correct? Yes. Um, uh, of the yard. Um, and we're really going to see more of the yard um, in this one. But that, of course, um, stays pretty consistent, actually, mm-hmm. um, throughout the rest of the, the series with some minor modifications. But uh, but again, it, it ends, um, you know, kind of ends on uh, not as much of a cliffhanger as the previous story. But just states that, you know, Henry Gordon and James stayed shut in the shed and were cold, lonely, and miserable. They wish now they hadn't been so silly. Right. So it's it's quite interesting It's, it's um, funny. that it ends like that. It's funny, actually, because um, both both of the middle stories in this book end with the word silly in that, you know, um, tenders and turntables ends with the three big engines remarking, you know, we'll do it tomorrow. The fat director will look silly. And then this story, Trouble in the Shed, ends with the big engines now wish they hadn't been so silly. Right. So it's a, it's a nice reflection of that reversal. Right. Um, literally in the prose, but then also, of course, in, in the characters and in the, in the plot. Yes. Um, so that's a, a nice touch by, um, by Wilbert. Um, but that uh, let, lets us move on to the next story, Percy Runs Away. Right. Um, and this is a, a great story. Um, and again, really shows that uh, Wilbert had a knack for writing for for Percy, um, and that Percy could be, uh, like we said with Thomas, kind of a gold mine of um, of a character and of uh, new stories. Right. Um, but this um, this story is great. It is. And and again, just you know, starts out with um, picking up where we left off with Henry Gordon and James, um, but then they um you know and then edward thomas and percy get to go play on the branch line while gordon henry and james uh, run the main line again which is interesting that he would have just sent them off to run the branch line um all three of them that does seem odd because what is edward doing Uh, where is he why is he not shunting where he is where he was before or anything you know because that still doesn't really solve any problems i don't know it, it doesn't solve any problems but i think and this is just me playing devil's advocate here. I, I think that the fat director's line of thought in here, this would be, okay, Edwards had to put up with a lot of abuse the last couple of weeks uh, or however long this, however long this situation has been going on. He's had to put up with a lot. Let's give him a break. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And it's interesting that it says play on the branch line. So right. it, it's implying that the engines, um, and that's one of the things that I've always loved about the, about Thomas in general, um, not the character, but you know the overall franchise. Right, is that the engine? Is that at times anyway? The engines love to work. Um, yes, and I think that's so fun and so interesting. Um, and 
um i think it's a it's a good thing to teach children oh yeah um but um but yeah it's fun that they enjoy playing on the branch line um but uh but yeah so um and we establish again the relationship between thomas and annie and clarabelle they're pleased to see him again mm-hmm. um and then edward and percy are playing with trucks and again the difference between the you know, the big engines they hate trucks the small engines smaller engines anyway um love trucks or at least or at least don't mind playing with them um in a yard but they don't necessarily like pulling them right because uh, they're dangerous right. um but uh but yeah, so that's um, and then it moves on to um, it's it's almost you know kind of the story is kind of separated in half really from the the opening of the story and then it moves on to uh, we leave Percy alone as he's out on the main line and right. then um, of course uh, you know there's a, a an issue um, that he forgets to uh, whistle for the signalman. Now it does seem a little odd that the signalman wouldn't realize that this tank engine is <laughs> sitting outside his signal box. It seems slightly um unbelievable yeah but um but it is what it is now now here's the thing that i've always that i find interesting about this now in the thomas fandom and you and i as we've established have been in this fandom for a long time uh there are a lot of people who dislike a certain episode in season three uh for much the same reason and they parrot the reason that the reverend w audrey didn't like that episode uh, or at least part of the reason. Uh, now it seems that, that the big part of the reason that the Reverend didn't like said episode shows up in here because if an engine is stopped in one place, it is supposed to uh, alert a signalman. So doesn't this story kind of contradict the Reverend W. Audrey's favorite rule 55. Right. Yes. So yeah, this one doesn't uh I mean, yeah, it's just and it's it's again it's kind of a it's one of the problems of course with the railway series and with the Thomas franchise in general that how much control do the driver and fireman have? Right. How much control does the engine have? So right. why wouldn't the driver and fire if the driver and fireman are in control, why wouldn't they have whistled to the signal man? That's right. Because Percy if Percy controls the signal. So it's it's where it gets a little tricky and muddy yep. in trying to to define the powers of the engine versus the powers of the uh the driver and fireman. But it a good story nonetheless, oh, yes. but I think it's marred by that aspect that it it's that some of the other stories are marred by because it's, it's hard to define that line it is. Um, where that is drawn. It is. And, and you know, my, my, my Tom intercourse was mostly in jest because, you know, we know how uh, certain, certain people like to go on about rule 55 quite a bit. And so I just thought it was funny that even the Reverend didn't always follow railway rules. Right, absolutely. So, um, but my comment, like I said, it was mostly in jest. So, yeah. <laughs> um, now, interesting thing about uh, this as well is that um, the uh, the incident of this story uh, with you know an engine uh, basically sitting on the main line, almost getting into a crash, running away, and and ending up, um, you know, uh, with its bunker in a huge bank of earth. Um, is based on, of course, a real story. And it's uh, another one that's at Hawes Junction again. Uh, so same uh, or at least similar location to uh, the turntable in, in Tenders and Turntables. It's up this, it was just a bank of earth uh, near Hawes Junction. 
Um, and although the source that I'm looking at, uh, which would be Soder Reading Between the Lines by Christopher Audrey, uh, the source doesn't really expound upon what happened uh, in that instant. Uh, obviously, we can infer that it was something similar to what happens in the story. Uh, but apparently uh, the real life incident ended rather tragically. So uh, thankfully this one uh, did not. Right. Absolutely. Um, but, um, but like, um, like Thomas, the tank engine, the book, um, you know, it, this has a, uh, as opposed to a larger arc where Percy goes from cheeky tank engine to, you know, working um, as a station pilot or, you know, working in a yard and then right. eventually getting his own thing. Um, this one has a kind of a mini arc. Percy's mm-hmm. bought cheeky and then is still cheeky. Um, and it's funny that the Reverend W. Audrey actually writes that. He says he's still cheeky because he is that sort of engine. Yeah. Um, I like so, that. you know, Percy really never learns. Um, but, you know, it just says he now works in the yard and finds coaches for the trains. What, what's interesting is that um, because of, you know, as opposed to he wrote Thomas as getting his own branch line. So that Thomas is really stuck on that branch line. Right. Um, for the rest of the series. Um, the nice thing about the way that he wrote Percy into the stories was that Percy can kind of be anywhere. Right. Um, Percy can help to build a new harbor. Percy can help out on Thomas's branch line. Percy can be in the yard. So there's so many different stories for Percy um to uh to appear in um whereas i think he he and that possibly may have just been a reaction to thomas in that he felt kind of stuck he couldn't keep using thomas because he wanted to keep everything um you know set in its place right and he didn't want to quote the reverend w audrey he didn't want thomas to be crane shunted in uh to places that he didn't belong <laughs> exactly yeah from yeah. the same conversation in which he talked about uh rule 55 it is um, but yes, uh, so I, I really enjoy this book. I think it's a really, it's a really nice book. It's got a great arc as well. You know, it starts out with, you know, the big engines being, uh, dissatisfied and their dissatisfaction just grows after several, several incidents, uh, you know, at least one major incident for each one, but it's just this buildup of microaggressions, uh, microaggressions that just overflows at one point until they, finally decide to go on strike and then you know the fat director is just like okay hey if you're gonna go on strike i'll get a new engine so and then he does um and then he eventually after they've learned their lesson uh, you know are let out of the shed again and uh yeah and then percy is integrated into into the series um and i i just find it really interesting because again like with um like in the three railway engines, we don't really know how long the fat director kept the three big engines in the shed. You know, I mean, just because it's never specified just how long were Thomas Percy and Edward running the main line. Well, I think he, well, I think it actually does. I think in the beginning of, um, it just says several days oh, okay. at the beginning of, right, of Percy right. Runs Away. So we could imagine it probably wasn't too long, but maybe a week or two. I would imagine a week at least. Yeah. Um, now, again, there's something slightly unrealistic about it. While what's interesting is kind of the, um, you know, kind of almost a slight, you know, paradox of this book is that, um, you know, it, it's the most realistic book so far in terms of, um 
in, involving more real world aspects into the storytelling and right. things like that. But also in a way it's the most unrealistic book so far because the whole plot involves something that would never happen on a real, on a real railway, um, you know, in terms of the, the owner of the railway just shutting up three of its, you know, of the main um, engines in its fleet um, and then saying, you know, we'll just have other people run it. You know, it right. doesn't really um, make sense, but, it, yeah. but it's a nice reflection of what was going on at the time in terms of the human aspect of, exactly. uh, of railways um, striking. So it, it works in that aspect, but I would say it, it is slightly unrealistic um, it is. In, in that regard, but it's also a series about talking trains. So <laughs> none of it's really realistic. I was going to um, say, um, well, I, I see, I, I get your point on that, you know, and this is the first and, not necessarily only, but it's one of the few times that the engines are used as surrogates for humans. A lot of the time, the engines are engines, but uh, you know, in this case, at least, the engines are you know supplements for humans. In that, of course, uh, in, in real life, many many uh, workers on British railways were striking, and uh, you know, but of course, a story about Henry Gordon and James's drivers going on strike wouldn't have been nearly as interesting to the young children in 1950 reading these stories. So, you know, I, I think that unrealistic as it may be, I, I, I don't think that that necessarily makes it bad. I think that it's actually, I, I think they're actually really good stories. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I would say of the first five books, this is the um, best book yes. so far. So once again, he, uh, he topped himself from the previous book. We okay. said that, uh, in our discussion of Tank Engine Thomas again, we said that Tank Engine Thomas again was the best of the first four. This is the best of the first five. Oh, um, yeah. He he just he once again improved on himself. If I had to rank the stories, I would say um, for me it would go Trouble in the Shed, mm-hmm. Tenders and Turntables, Percy Runs Away, and Henry and the Elephant. I, I um, from from best to worst. I agree completely. I I yes, definitely. Uh, I would say Tenders and Turntables and Trouble in the Shed are almost on par with each other, but I do like trouble in the shed just that little bit more i think you know yeah definitely um and plus it introduces percy who would become um you know a mainstay of uh of the the eight famous engines Mm -hmm. um so uh but yeah so this that was our discussion of troublesome engines it was um and uh we hope that you enjoyed it uh you can find us on facebook uh facebook.com slash talking thomas pod on twitter at talking thomas one um, and then, um, of course, our home for the podcast is Anchor. We're also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms. Yep. Um, but lots more on the way, more railway series discussions. We'll oh, yes. be diving into season three of the TV series. We'll be doing um, a commentary on Thomas and the Magic Railroad mm-hmm. um, later this month as well. Oh, yeah, uh, for the twentieth anniversary. Yeah, I was I was about to say because this month is the is the twentieth anniversary as well, um, and we've got a lot of really exciting things to come uh, throughout the second half of the year. Uh, you know, I mean, we spent the first half mostly talking about season two, and then starting our railway series discussions. Uh, and you know, from here on out, we have a lot of other discussions to come as well. There's going to be some fun stuff coming up in this back half of the year. Uh, I think this is a lot of fun, though, and yeah, so I hope that you've enjoyed listening, and uh, have a good night, everyone.